Thank you for joining us as we gather as Get Well Church from wherever you may be. Thank you for joining us online as we worship together. Maybe you're jumping in later in the week. Whatever the case might be, we're just so glad that uh, you're able to check in with us today. We are in the middle of our series called The Thread. We're exploring God's redemptive story throughout all of history, all of Scripture, from the first creation in Genesis to the new creation and Revelation. How is God moving, especially through this life of His Son, Jesus, to bring us life and hope and redemption? Let's take a look at where we've been and where we are going. We started this series talking about God's creation, how God makes everything in love. We talked about how God brought a covenant of promise, of faithfulness, how God moved through miracles to bring his people out of slavery, to bring them into the promised land, how he gave them wise leaders to lead them and guide them. Last week, we talked about the period of the kingdom, how God conceded to the request for a king, but he did not compromise in his plan to be king and redeem them and redeem us. And today we're landing in the season of exile. I want you to notice as we've walked through the story, it seems as though we're moving further and further into chaos, into pain. Everything seems to be falling apart. But what we're going to see as we move forward is not only is God going to redeem, but God has been using it all to redeem us and restore us in life. But the people of God found themselves in a season where they were distant from God, where they felt distant from everything they longed for. They were distant from their homes and they felt distant from hope. That God had been calling out to them time and time again, would you follow me? Would you trust me? And yet the people could not bring themselves to trust God. And so God allowed them to fall into trouble. The nations from around them conquered them, brought them out of their homelands into this season of exile. What do we do? When we feel like we're in a season of exile, maybe we're in a season right now where we feel distant from God or we feel distant from everything that we want out of life or maybe we even feel distant from any hope at all. What do we do? We remember and we hold on to and we move toward Jesus in our life. See, the problem with the people of Israel is they had lost sight. They lost their focus on what God wanted to do in their lives and what God was doing for their lives. And when they lost their vision of God, they found themselves in trouble. So let's take a look. What is it that happened to the people of God? We're going to start in 2 Kings chapter 17. And we first see exile hit the people of God, starting in verse five. The king of Assyria invaded the entire land, marched against Samaria and laid siege to it for three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Hala and Gozan on the Haber River in the towns of the Medes. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshiped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. And then verse 13. 
The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, turn from your evil ways, observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey. And then I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets, but they would not listen and were stiff necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord, their God. I want to give you a visual of, of what's taking place. We are dealing with the divided kingdom of Israel and Judah. We talked a little bit about this last week. Ten tribes joined together to form Israel. Two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, joined together to, to make the uh, kingdom of Judah. And in 722 BCE, what we were just reading, Assyria has conquered this region to the east and north and they move in, they attack Samaria, they uh, siege it for three years and finally the city of Samaria falls, the nation of Israel falls and the people are brought out of their homes, out of their towns, out of their cities into foreign cities where they live in exile. I'm not really even sure that most of these uh, or their families ever made it back. It's known as the 10 lost tribes of Israel. But it wasn't just Israel that fell away from God. It happens to Judah as well. So let's take a look at what happens to the nation of Judah. Jeremiah chapter 52. This is what we find starting in verse 12. On the 10th day, of the fifth month in the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard, who served the, Babylonian, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building he burned down. The whole Babylonian army under the commander of the imperial guard broke down all the walls around Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guard, carried into exile some of the poorest people and those who remained in the city along with the rest of the craftsmen and those who had deserted the king of Babylon. And then verse 28, this is the number of people Nebuchadnezzar carried into exile. In the seventh year, 3,023 Jews. In Nebuchadnezzar's 18th year, 832 people from Jerusalem. In his 23rd year, 745 Jews taken into exile by Nebuzaradan, the commander of the Imperial Guard. There were 4,600 people in all. Let's take another visual. What is it that's happening here? Again, divided kingdom in five, uh, should be 586 BCE there. Uh, Babylon comes in and they conquer the nation of Judah. The people of Judah find themselves brought out of their homes, out of their cities into foreign lands for 70 years before anybody is ever able to return to Jerusalem. And here the people are, not just in Israel, but now in Judah as well. And they're looking around and they're trying to make sense of their pain. And they're trying to find God in the midst of the events and the circumstances that they were walking through. And they were crying out to God in despair. What they could not see, what they could not feel in the moment of their pain was that God was still present. God was still at work. God was still calling people to be faithful and to trust in him. He called out to people like Daniel 
This beautiful story in scripture of Daniel and how he continued to be faithful to God. He said, in my life, I will continue to pray. I will continue to seek God. I will continue to follow his ways and I will continue to love the people around me. You got people like Esther who heard the cry, who heard the call to her that perhaps it was for such a time as this that you are living and you are here. And she stood up and she called out to the king knowing that it might cost her her life and in doing so saved a generation of God's people. God continued to call out to prophets like a man named Jeremiah who warned the people, who called out to the people that, that we've got to turn back to God, that trouble is coming, that God's discipline is coming, that he would bring us back to him. But even in the midst of the pain and the trouble and the discipline, Jeremiah reminded us through the words of God that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, not to bring pain and heartache and despair, but to bring hope and a future. And why was it that the people could not see what God was doing is because they felt a weight. They felt a burden. They had the weight and the burden of the pain that they were experiencing, but it was also the weight of the choice that they had to make. Because here's what happens to us in seasons of exile. We are forced to make a choice. Will we move toward despair or will we move toward deliverance? Brothers and sisters, I, I am begging you, do not move toward despair. With God, there is always, always hope. In this season of exile, uh, there was a man who wrote a, a beautiful book that we find in Scripture called Lamentations. In Lamentations, as you read through that, uh, he's crying out to God, here's my pain, here's my heartache, God, I can't find a way forward in this. You've got to do something, Lord. This is heavy. This is hard. God, this hurts. But even in the midst of the pain and the heartache and the trouble, he found hope. Let's take a look. Lamentations chapter three, starting in verse 19. This is what he says. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The writer here, even in the bitterness and the gall, even as his soul is downcast, is able to call to mind the character and the goodness of God, that God's compassion never fails, that that's who God is. God is love. God is compassion. God is faithfulness. He doesn't just choose it. That is who God is. And because of that, he says, I have hope that he can choose it that he can make a decision to hold on to that. See, that's what hope is. Hope is not a feeling. Hope is not just something that I wake up and it just happens to me. Hope is a decision that I make that I will hold on to truth even when I cannot experience it in the moment. I will hold on to the truth. He says, I will call this to mind. And we've got to make that same choice 
In those seasons of life, maybe you're in it now where you feel distant from God, you can't hear God's voice, you're not experiencing what you would want out of life, you don't know where to move next, we've got to choose hope. We've got to call to mind, I cannot see you, God. I cannot hear your voice, Lord, so I will call to mind how you've been faithful before to know that you will be faithful again. God, I can't make sense of the circumstances that I'm in right now. So Lord, I will call to mind who you are and your good promises for the future. That even if I don't know what's coming, I know who you are and so I can trust you. There are seasons of life where we just got to call to mind and hold on to hope, to speak truth over my thoughts and my feelings when hope is not evident in the moment. So this is what the writer of Lamentations does. Look, if we keep reading, the next verse, verse 24, I say to myself, this is what he's doing. He's speaking truth over his life. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And then verse 40, he says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. So what the writer of Lamentations here understands is that the season of exile where I feel distant from God, where I feel distant from all that I would desire and hope for in life, it might just be a season where I can experience greater faithfulness and growth in me and a greater experience of the God who loves me. I don't have to run away from the pain. I can step into the pain, knowing that God can use it to redeem me, to redeem my life, to redeem my path. He says, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Does he say my circumstances are what will fill me? That when everything is right, that I will feel better and I will move on? He says, the Lord is my portion. That God himself is not my hope. Not what God can hand down to me, but God himself is my hope. Knowing that even when I get what I want, it may not bring the satisfaction that I'm looking for. And that even when I face mountains and when I experience chains and when I experience heartache, that there is nothing that my God cannot do. And so I'll step into the pain. I will step into the exile, that feeling of distance, knowing that God might just be using it to deepen faith in me, to trust him. But it's not just about deepening faith in me of God, but it might be to develop faithfulness in me. That I can choose to trust God by obeying him. Look what he says. Let us examine our ways and test them. Let us return to the Lord. This is a call to repentance, to change direction, to not only cry out for forgiveness, but say, God, I need you to do some work in me. God, I need you to do some redeeming in me. I need you to develop faithfulness in me. You see, I do not have to know what tomorrow brings or where this will lead me to choose to trust God today. I can be obedient to God with what I don't know, knowing that that is always better than holding on to what I do know. 
that I can choose to, to trust God and say, God, I don't know what to do next, but I know what you've already given me. And so I will hold on to that. I will be faithful to that till you give me the next thing. And I'll just take step by step by step of faithfulness following you. Again, understanding that perhaps this is a season that God is bringing growth in me to trust him, but also to bring faithfulness in my life that I might walk with God step by step, knowing that what God is gonna do in trust and obedience is always greater than what I might settle for on my own. And understand this, what is it that God is gonna do? What is it that God is doing? What is God bringing about in your life? It is centered on the ministry, the life, the death, the resurrection of his son, our Lord Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ. That God is redeeming, God is restoring, God is bringing life through your life and mine by faith, by trust, by the work of Jesus. It is centered on him, it is in him, it is for him, it is through him. We can know, we can pray, we can cry out to God, just like the writer of Lamentations. He's crying out to God in his pain, knowing that God, I need you to move, but I trust that you've already begun. See, that's the faith that we have by what Jesus has done. God, I need you to move, but God, I know you've already begun. This is what the writer of Lamentations lifts up. If we continue to read in Lamentations chapter three, verse 58, he says, you, Lord, took up my case. You redeemed my life. Lord, you have seen the wrong done to me. Uphold my cause. You have seen the depth of their vengeance, all their plots against me. Lord, you have heard their insults, all their plots against me. What my enemies whisper and mutter against me all day long. The writing here, it's in what's called the perfect tense that it can be translated as, God, I need you to right now. God, this is something that I need to happen now. God, hear me. God, take up my case. God, redeem my life. God, see the wrong. God, see the vengeance. God, hear the insults. Or it can be, God, you already have. It's both present and past. God, you have heard my case. God, you have redeemed me. God, you have seen the wrong. God, you have seen the vengeance. God, you have heard the mocking and the insults. God, I need you to move today. And some of us are in that place. Lord, I need you to bring a miracle. God, I need you to do some providing. God, I need you to do some fixing of this broken relationship. God, I need you to bring some healing. God, I need you to bring some hope. And in the very breath, same breath, we can say, God, I know that you already have. In Jesus, you already are bringing a miracle. In Jesus, you already are providing. In Jesus, Lord, you already bring healing. In Jesus, Lord, you are already fixing those broken relationships. God, I need you to, but I know that you already are. And what's so beautiful about the, these words that the, the writer of Lamentations is crying out to God is that all of this was fulfilled in Jesus. 
that in Jesus, there was a man who needed to be redeemed. As Jesus hung on the cross for something he did not do, he needed redeeming. And thank God the Father redeemed him on the third day as they showed up at the tomb. And the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's been risen. There's redemption that happened in his life and comes through his life. In Jesus there was someone who experienced unjust wrong that he hung, not because he was a criminal, but because he gave his life for something he did not do so that he could do for us what we cannot do to destroy sin and death and offer hope. In Jesus, there was a man who took on vengeance, who took on the anger and the hatred of people so that in return, he could give blessing and mercy and grace. In Jesus was a man who was insulted and mocked. As the people said, if you are the son of God, then bring yourself down. Why don't you do something about this? And he just took it and he took it. And what did he give in response? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He took on the insults and the mocking for you and me that he could give blessing and a new name for you and me in return. In Jesus was a man who fulfilled all that the people were waiting for. Do not miss this. On the cross, Jesus allowed him to be distanced from God from the Father. He experienced exile in His being so that your exile and mine could be transformed to intimacy with God. Where we had distance because of the brokenness of the world and our own sin and brokenness in replace of that, Jesus gives us intimacy with the Father, oneness with the Father, hope through His work for us. And so I wanna encourage you, as you feel distance, as you feel silence, as you feel the weight of brokenness, of distance from all the things that you would hope for and long for life, speak some truth over your life. When you feel distant from God, speak that truth that God will never leave me. When you feel overwhelmed by your sin and guilt, speak that truth that God is for me and that in Jesus, I am forgiven. On the cross, he said, it is finished, it is done. I am washed by the blood of Christ. When you don't feel enough, speak that truth that by faith in Christ, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm filled with the power and the Spirit of God, the truth of God, and in Him, I am more than enough because of what he has done. When you can't make sense of the struggle and the pain and the heartache and the confusion, speak that truth over your life that in Jesus, God has a plan. God has a purpose. And even in the brokenness and the heartache and the sin, and even in the rejection of God, through Jesus, God can redeem and restore and bring life to death. Through Jesus, we always, always have hope. Through Jesus, the exile becomes intimacy. The distance becomes oneness. So what's our next step?
For a lot of us, maybe it, it might mean that we start to step toward that pursuit of God for the first time to speak that truth that God does have a plan for my life. It's plans for good, not to harm, plans for a future and a hope. And He wants to move in my life through Jesus. And I, it's time for me to receive that. Maybe you're walking through a difficult time and you just need to speak that truth of God's faithfulness over your life, that God's still at work. He's still moving. He still calls up His faithful, even in the midst of the broken. And I need to speak that truth. Maybe I need to remember it. Maybe I need to uh, surround myself with people that embrace that truth. And what all of us need to do in the good and the bad is hold as tightly as we can to what Jesus has done for us. Never forget it. Never lose sight. Never walk away from it. To know that whatever I might be feeling in the moment, the truth is, is that Jesus has finished it. It is done. It is accomplished. I am loved. I have a hope in my Father who loves me, who's redeeming all things. And I'll never let go of that. I pray that for you. I pray that for me. We're going to close out. We're going to pray together. We're going to sing one final song. And right there where you are at home, join hands with one another. Bow down. Pray. Whatever God might be stirring in your heart, I pray that you'd receive it, that you would hear his voice, that you would feel his presence, that you would not experience distance from him right now, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, God would speak and stir in you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for moving in ways that we don't even always see. God, thank you for pursuing us while we run away and we reject you. God, thank you for giving mercy and grace. Lord, while we often are, are pouring out our vengeance and we're mocking and we're insulting and we're turning away and we're trying to do it our own way. God, forgive us for speaking lies over others and ourselves. Let us replace it with truth. God, that you are the creator of all, that you gave your son Jesus to do for us what we could not do, that you give us a new name and you give us a hope and a future. Let us hold on to that truth, Lord. God, and call us out. God, the world we live in so much of the time feels distant from you, but we know you still call up the faithful. Call on us, Lord. Call on us. Strengthen us. Fill us with your spirit that we could be a light, we could, be, we could hold on to truth like Daniel, that we could stand up like Esther, that we could cry out like Jeremiah. Lord, even when people are feeling distant from you, that we know that you're with us. For those who are struggling right now, God, I pray for your encouragement and support over them. God, anoint them with your Holy Spirit, the spirit of peace, spirit of truth, that they would know and experience your goodness right now. God, I pray that those who are far away would turn back. We examine our ways, turn back to you, that we would choose hope. Even when it may not be evident right now, Lord, we choose hope in you through your son, Jesus. For his glory, for your glory, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.